Hey, all right, this is Tim Crisp, and you're listening to Road to the Skeleton Coast. Brandon Kelly. Brandon, what's going on, Bubba? How are you? I'm okay, man. Uh, Christmas is upon us, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a fat, sweaty man sneaking into your house, giving you gifts, whether you want them or not, and then <laughs> eating your food and telling you to be good. Uh, <laughs> you know, so and I don't know what kind of analogy that is, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> sure is a good one. Um, so I'm here. Um, I'm, I'm in my basement, like I always am, and it's like Santa's workshop down here. I mean, there's shit all over the fucking place. Um, as we were just discussing, mm-hmm. I ordered some shit for my wife. For Christmas, and it turned out to be from a company that's not real. It's their whole job is um, getting people to buy stuff on PayPal. Then they're based in China, and the shit that they sell on their website doesn't even exist. It's crazy. Like I did a reverse Google uh-huh. image search, yeah, and it only goes back to them. Like. Uh, like it's because I was like, well, this, if this is not a real company, then they're obviously I want to find the place that sells this stuff for real mm-hmm. and buy it, you know, mm-hmm. does not exist. Well, how do they take a picture of it? I think it's just like a Photoshop. Wow. I mean, you know, if you're talking about profit margins, you really can't beat hiring one guy to Photoshop a few things and then selling them to people and then uh, not sending those people anything. And not producing anything. I mean, in a very real way, it's quite a business model. You know, Um, it's absolutely. But I mean, I feel like, look, if I was the kind of person that was like into like ripping off, you know, Belarusian internet shoppers. little doubt in my mind that I could just do that and it would be fine. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't think I'm getting extradited from the United States into Belarus. Um, Unless you're lucky. <laughs> that's right. And uh, so, I mean, in a way, good on them. Um, in another more real way, fuck those people entirely. I would like to eat their children, as they say. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I'll give I'll give the, our listeners the same advice I gave to you. When it comes to PayPal scans, scams, Better Business Bureau, file a complaint there. PayPal will fold like the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. Oh, man. What's up, 1993? Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas. Fucking, we're spitting heat. It doesn't matter that it's Christmas on Road to the Skeleton Coast. We come That's correct. Right. That's my dad's name. Thurman Thomas? Yeah. Really? That's great. You just like froze at a certain... You just froze at a certain point and you went, <laughs> Thurman Thomas? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's Amazing. my dad's name. Thurman your, Thomas. Your dad was a running back in the mm-hmm. NFL. No, he was an attorney in Springfield, Missouri. Oh. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of... Uh, a lot of football players will, you know, use their 
scholarships to college to yeah they'll know. fall back on their their scholastic and academic um credentials once mm-hmm. once the uh once the gridiron spits them out yeah i know i know how it goes man uh <laughs> well uh merry christmas to all those listeners out there uh it's uh and happy nice hanukkah and you know happy, happy kwanzaa and ramadan mm-hmm. and I don't want to say Festivus because you guys are dorks. If you like truly get a poll and celebrate Festivus, I hope it's like at a strip club. But you're not supposed to be doing that now anyway because of COVID. So Festivus is canceled this year. That's all. Uh, (laughs) Stop being such a nerd. We have not won the war on Christmas, but we're winning the war on Festivus. We canceled Festivus. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say we're winning the war on Christmas as well. (laughs) <laughs> so we're here to discuss Left and Leaving by the Weaker Thans, as was decided upon by our loyal hoagies and heroes over on Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich. They voted, the voices were heard and listened to, and now we got a freaking record to discuss. How about that, Brendan? Yeah, no, it's it's very exciting. Um, this is one. This one album is um, the. Uh, it's really hard to overstate how profound this entire band's effect was on sort of the punk rock scene at the time, because of John coming out of Propaganda, and um, so there was like a built-in like sort of like credulousness that went into people listening to it like okay this is something i can probably back and then you know um when fallow came out which is the album before this um you you know you get you know the illustrated bible story song and it's like whoa this is very very soft right Mm -hmm. And then fucking Diagnosis kicks in, man, or whatever the fuck the full name of that song is. Yeah, it's Diagnosis. And and you're like, whoa, okay. So this is punk rock, but it's also pop, but it's also like kind of like, you know, at the time, like emo wasn't quite such a bad word. Mm-hmm. Um, and And it was like, oh, it was a lot, you know, to use, I guess, like a sort of something I've mentioned before a lot in a kind of different way like when i first heard bad religion i was like oh you can be a nerd and you can be smart and you can show that off and it's not like uh a detrimental thing to your your persona or whatever and in fact it can be really tough and badass and you can like Mm -hmm. wield that like a weapon you know what i mean or like you know later on when i remember i talked to jake levy from um uh Canadian Rifle not too long ago about this like when we first saw Limp Wrist and we were like mm. holy shit you can like wield gayness like a weapon like this is fucking cool like I thought that this yeah. was something that like people made fun of you know and then some mm-hmm. people understood I mean again we're talking a while ago here you know so I, I forgive me for uh, sounding like a weird old old guy being like yeah gayness something to make fun of that's not really what i mean <laughs> but, right but like, right at the time uh it was mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and mm-hmm. um so so like 
to see like Limpress come out and be like so badass. And it was like, oh, this is vastly more dangerous than anything that I ever thought. It's, this makes Slayer look like fucking the Wiggles, you know, like, and, and, uh, and, and like, you know, that's kind of how I felt with Bad Religion too. I was like, oh my God, the thing that I would think as just like a naive kid who's not like kind of smart enough to put my own opinions together, I would think that that would be a detriment. Oh no, that's not a detriment. They're like, hyper intelligence is actually being like, brandish as a sword to like slice through every other like rock and roll entity that there's ever been and be like nope we're the best we're the smartest we're tougher than you and we're more badass than you you know and i think in a totally different way when fallow came out and diagnosis comes on Mm -hmm. you go oh you can do this like like this is like this, like shit that's supposed, like you know, like this wiener shit that <laughs> you know, whatever you want to call it. Like, nope, nope. This is fucking awesome. And so, I think Fallow has some of the most amazing, amazing songs on it. Mm-hmm. But then, when Left and Leaving came out, and you know, when just from the the very beginning of it in like everything must go you've got like you're like okay i'm i'm here for the weaker thans i already know how this goes and you know it's obviously like that shit that i always make fun of the weaker thans for doing but which i also love but i mean like yeah cracked up compass and a pocket watch and some plastic daffodils it's just like okay mm-hmm. <laughs> like i get it you're looking around your room literally listing off things that you see um i, I don't even know like <laughs> i don't even know the art- artistic intent there uh-huh. really you know it, it's just more like it just seems like i mean i guess the opening line is garage sale saturday yeah you know totally. so like maybe it is just pure stock taking but Mm-hmm. Uh, that would come to be a trope that I think, like, by reconstruction site, would get a little bit, like, arduous for me personally to wade through. Mm-hmm. But at this time, it was just like, oh, it's evocative, like, image-based poetry without the, like, heady snootiness of Jawbreaker. Like, mm-hmm. without that didacticism or whatever you want to say. Didactism. Yeah. I don't know what that word is, but um, um, without being didactic, yeah, and 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 also like snooty, you know. Yeah. It was just like a dude being like, you know, cordless razor that my father got when I was seventeen. You, you mm-hmm. know, like like it's just like it's just like really matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And then when it kicks in for phone call from far away and then it's like oh fuck man these guys have done it are you yeah. laughing at me are you saying boo or mm. boo urns <laughs> <laughs> i was saying boo urns okay yeah i think that fallow is it's a really really good record that is definitely a case of having to walk so that left and leaving could sprint yeah and and like it's just like like it is really like about 45 seconds into left and leaving that you go 
Oh, that wasn't a one-off thing. This is mm-hmm. a new thing that exists. Yeah. And, and like, I also am aware that there are plenty of antecedents that you could point to to be like, the weaker thans aren't new at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I think the weaker thans are very singular. I mean, they occupy an unbelievably unique place in, like, the sort of soundscape of, um, I don't know what you want to say, Le- alternative rock, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah. They, but, not to interrupt, but they kind of do this thing where they fit into a spot that's in between a few things where you didn't realize that there was a whole spot to be filled there. And it's not like a whole genre, but it is sort of like, you know, the infinitely divisible uh, circle or whatever. Yeah, no, I think that's really a great way to put it. I mean, the, um, the, the thing is like, you know, um, twinkly guitars, is that new? What's going on with my garage man here? Are you moving? Uh oh. No, it's Uh-oh. moving. It's moving. It had just it just <laughs> gone past my vision, my field of vision. Um. So l- let's let's use that as an opportunity to to pump the brakes just a tiny bit before we get like into the record, because Brendan, we got we got to make sure that we point out to everybody that we have a poll every week. On our that is true. sandwich uh, Patreon. And while Left and Leaving was a runaway, uh, we had a nail biter this week. So I'd like to encourage everybody to sign up at patreon.com slash better sandwich for an opportunity to vote on what we talk about each week. We'll tell everybody what we're voting on uh, or what we're talking about next week and then let you all know what options we have for you. For the upcoming poll. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, can you think of anything more fun? Uh, no, <laughs> I personally no, cannot. Not a single thing. And I hope that all of you are abandoning whatever holiday celebrations that are going on in your home right now so that you can log on for a mere $7 a month. Patreon.com slash better sandwich. That's less than the cost of... Uh, approximately 50 nuggets a month. <laughs> so you you hint on something that I think is really, really interesting and something I've been really looking forward to talking to you about, and that is the way that this comes in because, you know, I my perspective of it is hearing the weaker thans like when they were just like, I, this was the first record that I heard and it had been out for a couple years at this point, but sure. the... I, the idea that this exists in a world where you do have like the Midwestern emo going on, punk rock, obviously, but this has a seriously profound effect that I was surprised to hear you say early on in this podcast that you'd met, you'd talked to John outside of the fireside and you were, uh, you know, were very uh, nervous in, in meeting him because you respected him a lot. Yeah, man. Um, well, first of all, I like the first time I met John was when we did that show. Um, we did a show with Propagandy in um, Guadalupe, California. Slapstick mm-hmm. did probably mm-hmm. nineteen ninety five. It's on that How to Clean Everything tour, and um, I don't know if I've told this story before, but I'm totally willing to tell it again because we've got a lot of hours of uh, content here, and people aren't, can't be expected to sift through it all. Um, 
although you should. Uh, so we had a day off. We heard the propaganda was playing, and we just we love propaganda, right? Uh-huh. And so we're like the oldest person in our van is eighteen, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we're in California, and they're playing like five hours away, and so Matt Stamps was just like, "We're just gonna drive there." And like, kind of like the George Costanza, like after he gets fired, like show up to work the next day and be like, mm-hmm. "Hey, everybody!" You know. Uh, so we fucking show up, <clears throat> and it's this is a migrant worker town. Um, it's like nothing but fields everywhere, and we're playing in like a community center that looks like an old mission, I guess, mm-hmm. from my memory. I mean, this has been a long time, so I could be like completely re uh reconsidering everything just for poetic license but uh it seems like a place where a propaganda show would happen no 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 no. i mean i'm positive it was guadalupe california i'm positive it was a migrant town i'm positive it was surrounded by fields i'm talking about the actual appearance of the community center where we Mm, played mm -hmm. i remember it looking like an old mission i don't know if that's actually the case um we show up and it's like Good riddance, and the promoter's band, Eddie Numskull. I think they were maybe called the Numskulls, even. Um, His name was Eddie Numskull? Yeah, he's he's still a very prominent, um, like, Central California uh, booking agent. And oh, I still am wow. in touch with him. But this is the day I met him. And we show up, and we're just kind of like, me and Matt walk up, and we're like... All right, where do we load in? <laughs> you know, and, oh, and, see, I didn't get the George Costanza uh, <laughs> reference until just now. Fantastic! That's yeah. fucking fantastic, right? And so, um, so he's like, uh, "What?" And we're like, "Well, our booking agent told us we were on this show," and he's like. You know, Eddie at the time, I mean, Eddie's like a little bit older than me, maybe. I don't know. He's like one of those dudes that like is ageless. He's looked exactly the same for like 25 years. Uh-huh. So I'm not sure. Maybe he, he might be 75 at this point. But um, what I think is that he was like 22, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, but you're not on the show. And we were like. But what are we gonna do? We're from Chicago. We drove all the way here from Chicago. <laughs> you didn't even say that you were in another nearby spot. You said all the way from Chicago. Well, did we want to play the show, <laughs> or did we want to fucking not? I'm just looking at like the believability factor. But okay, continue. It, ha- it happened this way. So what do I do, dude? There was no oh. internet or anything at the time. You know, uh-huh. we were from Chicago. Our license plate said Illinois. Our van was smoking because it was a piece of shit. He didn't have to know that it would smoke if you drove three hours. You know, um, so. He's like, okay, I will let you guys play before my band right as the doors open. Mm -hmm. And so we did. And I actually think it was pretty cool from what I remember. I don't really remember us being on stage at all. That's a a common thing for me. It's like no matter like what my like 
obviously there's been times that I've been like wasted and I just don't remember being on stage because I'm wasted. But generally it's like, I could be like sick as a dog or like in a terrible mood when I walk on stage. It's like stage brain kicks in. Yeah, sure. And, and like, it's a different brain and has a different like memory bank in mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? So, um, so I don't remember us being on stage that much, but I do remember Eddie's band played. I think they were called the Numbskulls. And uh, um, Good Riddance played. I remember trying to be interested in that, but like kind of being unable to be because I was just so excited for Propaganda. And mm-hmm. then they came up there and it was just awesome. I mean, they were a new band at the time in terms of like my understanding of what they had done. You know, it was John and Chris and Jord and they were touring on how to clean everything. Mm-hmm. So they were, they're playing like all those like sort of like old songs that like sort of made like i don't think those are their best songs but i think some of their best songs are among those songs yeah i think so too you know and um it's just so fresh well i mean showdown who will help me bake this bread mm-hmm. hallie selassie up your ass um stick the flag up your goddamn ass your your, your ass you goddamn son of a bitch mm-hmm. like some of these songs are like i think pretty dope and um so they're playing this and meanwhile there's like a militant skinhead contingent there hmm. throwing meat at them like little balls of hamburger meat well and it's it's a pretty big show i mean i i remember it as being about 750 people and um and i had like i was wearing a bright blue straight edge t-shirt um and uh <laughs> Which I thought was funny. It always was hilarious to me. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and my hair was like dyed white, but had like black flowers in it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of stood out in a crowd, even if it was 750 people. And also the lights were just on because it was like a community center in Guadalupe, California. And one of the dudes like next to me threw something and Chris caught it put it in his mouth and then was just like it was that better not be what i think it was fucker and he looked and i could have sworn he was looking right at me and i was like oh no oh no 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 (laughs) this is the worst way this could possibly go um you know and so afterwards i went off and i was just like that was a great show um i really hope you don't think that that was he's like no no i knew who it was you you guys seem cool. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Be chasing that high for weeks. Okay, that's great. <laughs> you know, that's all it takes. <laughs> but I met him and I met John. I just kind of shook John's hand. And then when they played, when the weaker dance played the Fires. But I guess the, the main point is, like, I held those guys in incredibly high regard. I still do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so when, when John left Propagandy, it was like, of course, I want to see what this is about. Like, I love gifts. I yeah. love um, fucking anchorless. You know, like I like those. I love the first half of Showdown. I love the second half of Showdown too. But you know, like I think that his contributions are invaluable. And I was like, this will be so interesting to see what this dude does. And the fact that he was able to put together a cool band and do it, 
uh, not everybody could coming from where he did and with the skill set that he has. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. not to, that I don't. He has a great skill set. I mean, he's an amazing songwriter and singer and a great player. Yeah, you know, bass or guitar, but to come out of like a proto fat band leaning into hardcore Mm -hmm. and then to turn into like this sort of like indie rock darling it i don't know that a lot of people saw that coming i think that uh not didn't see it coming because what else is he going to do but for him to just like lean into it so completely Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. on fallow he goes like hard i think with between like so twee and soft Mm-hmm. And then, kind of, almost trying to do like his songs of propaganda. Yeah, I was talking you- to uh, our friend Greg over on Unscripted Moments. We talked about gifts, uh, which is song. I don't think it's particularly great. Um, I think that Anchorless is a really good propaganda John song, but I feel like he had to really like. With propaganda, he had to like kind of force himself in because he's the the weird guy who only sings. Um, and I feel like Fallow too is like it's almost like he has to really placate. Maybe placate's a little too extreme, but pander to a little bit. And I, mm-hmm. I think I, mean, I think I think that I think that the, the okay. First of all. Slightly insane on the 18 North Main, looking for a small town, downtown night rain. Nothing I could say could be worth saying anyway today. Like, hey, whatever happened to what's that guy's name? You get a little older and you look the same askance. Excuse my failing sense of humor. You gotta be kidding me. That song is fucking amazing. There's That's just, like one of the best runs of lyrics ever. It's good, but it's too... It's too much. It's just words. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I get that, but I guess... For me at the time, that was what I was consuming, really. Mm-hmm. But to, anyway, that, that's that's an aside. <laughs> get it? <laughs> um, but to get back to uh, back to, to back leaning, to, like Fallow, I think that there was a mission statement with like the illustrated Bible stories, like where it's like this is extraordinarily not what you're expecting Mm -hmm. and then immediately diagnosis it's like just kidding this is totally what you're expecting kind of especially the way it comes in on just a yeah and and like and and that balance is like never really struck on that album even though uh, pretty much every song of that album is fucking amazing but with Mm -hmm. left and leaving you hear a band that knows who they are and who's not like pandering to anyone anymore? Yeah. Um. And and like, w- which is not to say that the construction of Fallow was like built around expectation or anything like that. But I think I can. It, I only have to imagine that like I know what it's like to have a comfort zone and like get out of it or whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like the, there's, I mean, there's a reason that there's like. A song like American Vagina on I'd Rather Die Than Live Forever. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like, it's like my people are going to come along for this. Like, some of this, like, I better get them, you know, put some, put some fucking peanut butter around the pills, man. You know, like. Totally. 
and I think what you really feel in in Left and Leaving is the fact that this band feels like it's so cohesive at this point because the performances, especially Steven's guitar playing, it's kind of loose. And it's like, I don't know, you can just tell that this material has been really honed in on within the band. And Fallow has a little bit more of like a, John's got the songs, let's like play to the songs that John showed us. the songs, yeah. I mean, you know, and this this album does really bring about something that has become like a real signature for John Sampson even in his post Weaker Than's career, like with like Winter Wheat or that um, fantasy baseball at the end of the world mm. song recently, mm-hmm. which is that hyper round, almost like Buck Owensy sounding guitar, but being played in a very like loose and like mm-hmm. kind of like way, you know? And it's something that like is so signature. Mm hmm to I'm gonna say to John, really, because like he's it's not like I mean, I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe he played that fantasy baseball song with the other dudes from the Weaker Dance, but that seems odd to me. Um well, it's definitely think, about Trump, so Yeah. Well yeah. I think that they were done by Oh, oh no, I know, but I'm just saying like you know, like you fucking Slapstick broke up in 1995 or whatever, and Danny still played in the Falcon record. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Fair point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, for sure. Like I don't know. Maybe somebody came in to do those guitar parts, but I associate them with him a lot, and I associate the just the real sound quality beauty of it. Mm-hmm. With his thing, you know, and it's it's very very unique sounding. When you hear when you hear the beginning of like a song like "Left and Leaving," for example, mm-hmm. there's almost no mistaking what band this is, you know. Yeah, and um, or like "One Great City," I think is a really good example of yeah. that. Yeah, that's um, site. yeah. As I told you, like once I got through left and leaving, I was like, I have a lot of weaker dance to listen to, and mm-hmm. reconstruction site is more of a casual listen to me. Yeah, I can not see that. that it's not that it's not like on my radar, and I mean I know exactly the song you're talking about, and I know I mean I know all the songs on that record, but not like the way I know this record. Uh-huh. Um, I mean. Some of the songs on this record are so, but just the way, the way he plays guitar is like, it, like I did like a version of this for the uh, Redness in the West song mm-hmm. on Butt, Sweat, and Tears, where during that, the, the little guitar solo, mm-hmm. um, and we couldn't create that tone, but the... Right before, let's get lost because I guess they found right. Like, I mean, I was like very much like, I'm gonna do a little weaker dance guitar solo here because it's my only chance to play guitar in this band, probably ever. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> fucking get the shit that I like in there. Um, yeah, but 
I guess my point is it's impossible to overstate how like when this band came out and when this album specifically came out and it seemed like very fully formed and fully realized, it was like, dude, this shit's okay to do. It's okay to lean into. And I mean, they're just such a cool band and this is such a cool album. And it's such a monster of a second album too. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. So, like, in what ways, like, other than the guitar playing, would you say this maybe influenced you and Chris as musicians? Well, I think there's a lot of the, um, a lot of just, like, the, like, the real casual kind of, like, vocal delivery stuff, like, try not to wonder where you are. Mm-hmm. You know, like that kind of thing, like where it's like leaning into that, like sort of Willie Nelson thing. And it would like take a while for us to get into like really understanding like, oh, doing a lot less is probably a little more effective than going, oh, 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 you know, uh-huh. like it's like hmm, you could just go, no, <laughs> you know, like it, uh, it probably sounds better, actually. But uh but. Um, I mean, obviously, I think that there's just like a normalization of like the mundanity of sort of like articulating a checklist of what's going on around you. I mean, I really think that that's very profoundly something that he made a thing, you know, it's like, I mean, when like Blake Schwarzbach does something like that, it's like... You know, like a kitchen floor, an old woman at the cutting board. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, okay. <laughs> you know, meanwhile, he's like, yeah, coffee cup, some plastic flowers, um, a couple Christmas cards. <laughs> you know, and like, it's, and, and, and I think you can definitely see that influence in a lot of um, Chris's work for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, I think that in in the earlier Lawrence Arm stuff, a lot in mine as well. Um, like something like just even like in a song like uh, Another Boring Story, where like the, the central metaphor in that like breakdown bridge, <laughs> in which I sing like John Sampson. Mm-hmm. It's like these ashtrays are volcanoes now. You know, like yeah. to like like use that kind of metaphor for that kind of like basic of a imagery, you know, like um it, it it's just really like this this shit's like in the DNA, you know, mm-hmm. like and, and so it's it's hard to be like, oh, I get this from my mother. You know, or I get this from my father, but right. like, but this is the kind of shit that like was so fundamental to us. Like when we, dude, there's so much going on on this record that I could and want to talk about. Like, like what, like what's up with the song Pamphleteer, right? Like, mm, uh, yeah, let's get into that one. It, it like the the beginning, like I heard that and I was like, poof, no. Good heavens, this is so fucking cheesy and overwrought. This is like a five-star general, like, in, a, like, a 
deep blue brass button coat with like a kerchief walking down like gilded fucking velvet covered stairs or something, you know? <laughs> and, and I'm like so fucking outrageous, just you know and it's like what the fuck and then he starts singing you're like oh no this makes perfect sense for the song yeah i know it's great i love it you know and and like i mean like all that shit like and even like the phrase pamphleteer i saw that and i was like i'm not i don't like that and then Mm -hmm. Basically, the second I heard the song, I was like, oh, no, that is fucking dope. Um, I mean, help me with this barricade. No surrender, no defeat. Oof. Yeah. Like, Specters haunting Albert Street. Like, all right. All right. See, like, like hearing something like that and then, and then going back to gifts, which I think it should, I should point out that I listen to Propagandy way after the weekend ends, so uh, that's where my bias comes in. But yeah, yeah, I love like the space on this song. How it's just chord, hold, chord, and it's just got like such a nice movement to it too. It sways. And the thing is, I think that what I maybe was trying to get at with. The title and the like, the guitar riff and the intro, mm-hmm. is that nothing in this song should work. I mean, mm-hmm. contemplate my next communique. It's like, shut up. Except for don't shut up because this actually is awesome. <laughs> like, uh, you know, like, it, it's like the thing that I always, you know, t- talk to you about when I try to write a song where I'm like, if I can do something that should be like just obnoxious and terrible by all accounts, and it's not, it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel like this song is. I'm not saying that I think that that's what he was intending as an exercise when he wrote it, but that's what it is. Like, I don't need to hear a song with the word communique in it. That's um, like this like sort of wartime metaphor. Some dude that passes out fucking propaganda while everybody else is actually doing stuff. And um, it's really just a metaphor for, like, his old lady's trying to walk out the door right now. Right. You know? Yeah. It, it, it seems like a pretty hard task to pull off and have it not suck. And um, he pulls it off and it doesn't suck. In fact, it's fabulous. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. That's where I'm at on this. I When I first heard this song um i like honed in on that oh what force on earth could be weaker than the feeble strength of one um and i what's up oh i thought you were gonna say something i am it's it's you just stopped it at like the most important part it's not the feeble strength of one it's the feeble strength of one like me remembering the way it could have been Right. You know, so it's like, it's not like, like nothing is ever as big as the feeble strength of one. It's of hope or, or lost hope. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I, I just, because I think there's a lot of like, um, 
I don't know for a fact. I bet Pennywise has a song about how it's like, none of you are any match for me in my spirit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's like that's, 14 that's, minutes long. Um. <laughs> but just like that's, that is one take, which is like, you know, like the Braveheart kind of take or like the Conan the Barbarian kind of take. Right. Which well, is like. The, the line and the reason that I stopped it there is, is it's a reference to the song Solidarity Forever. Um, and I think he adds to it in a really cool way. He like adds like, um, I guess he elaborates on the, the one, the, you know, of one like me remembering the way it could have been. Um, the reason I, I said it that way is cause that's where the quote comes from. And not to be like, well, did you know? Cause this is like total dork shit. But, um, when I, when I first heard that, I remember looking it up and, and seeing that it was a reference to the song Sol- Solidarity Forever. And I grew up in a Rush Limbaugh house, so politics were always like, uh, I don't know. And like a lot of the political punk that was coming out at that time was just like, for me, it was like, this is cool, but I fucking, I hate, I hate politics so much um, yeah but that that's like one thing that like really really got to me and really helped like form my understanding of like damn this guy's like putting in a lot of uh messaging that is a lot different from the other like messaging that is coming out right now and it's definitely different from what uh, Sean Hannity's talking about, but yeah, for sure. And I guess you weren't listening to propaganda at the time, so um, this would seem like incre- increasingly radical, just based on like the sound of the band and the sort of juxtaposition with something like talking about Pete Seeger lyrics. You know? Um, yeah, totally. Uh, and and um, I don't know, I. When I saw John last year, at the end when he was performing this song, he was he kind of started singing "Solidarity Forever," and it was just like I don't know. I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about it. It was one of the last shows that I went to, I think, before well things closed down. I only saw the Weekend Downs one time. Me too. And um, it was on this tour. Hmm. And um, it's the time that I talked to John, and it was pretty funny. The entire thing was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's the story you did tell us, that he was um, kind enough to lie and say, I, I remember that show that we played together. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, he was. But there's also like a an ass kicking that went on that was pretty interesting. Oh. Um at that show here I want to I'm going to have to like check my notes here to make sure that I get the name of the song right. Um yeah, it's none of the above. Mhm. And um they play it and it, it it's just it it goes over great. 
mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the, the show. So this is a little table setting for this tale. Um, it's, I think, the first time that they'd been to the Fireside Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I was there. And um, and they had, at the time, a five-piece band, which I thought was a little bit amusing because I, I was like, man, it's such a sparse-sounding group. I mean... Not I, I didn't like I was just, and, and the dudes were like kind of big lunkhead looking motherfuckers a little bit. Like like they they looked like uh an amateur hockey team. The kind of, and then with John with, with John in the front. <laughs> you know, and um and so which is funny, uh, obviously. Um and so they play this none of the above. I mean, everybody's just loving it. And then, which is on Fallow, I just want to point out. So oh, it is on Fallow. Yeah. So okay. everybody's not like screaming at home. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I, but uh, when when it gets to the uh, <laughs> well, so at the end, everybody claps, and then John goes, "Man." Ever since we started doing this, okay, it makes sense that it would be on Fallow because based on this story, he's like, for years we've been touring, and when I say the line, tell me why I have to miss you t- so, tell me why we sound so lame, uh-huh. and it stops, I've been waiting for someone to yell, because you suck, <laughs> and tonight, that guy finally did, thank you so much. <laughs> And the fucking drummer, like a fucking simian, just like puts his hands on his fucking floor tom and snare and leaps over the drums, like off his arms, and is down in the crowd kicking this guy's ass. <laughs> <laughs> and, and John's like, no, no, it's cool. I liked it. I thought it was funny. <laughs> and I mean... You've never seen such a move. Can you imagine going from sitting at a drum set, putting your hands on two drums, and then just like springing your body over it, like like some sort of like fucking uh, Simone Biles or something like that? I mean, mm-hmm. it's like it's crazy. It's a crazy move of fucking physical prowess that would only serve to get this other guy's ass kicked a lot more thoroughly. Uh, and so like, there had to be like a whole thing where the band put down all their gear, <laughs> went down to the crowd, fucking talked the drummer off the guy. Uh, I don't think he got his ass kicked too severely. I think it was like, there was like a big, like the kind of shoving match confrontation, like, mm-hmm. yeah, motherfucker, what, you know? And like, kind of like a little bit of po- like chest poking and stuff like that. But I was like, Hey, of, I just saw like fucking Earth Crisis here like two weeks ago, and I really didn't think the violence uh, was going to come from the weaker thans. <laughs> so, well, he does hit the yeah. drums pretty hard. Yeah, well. <laughs> And he does do a lot of great stuff on this record where it's just like the drum fill is like, yeah, you know, which like, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I don't know. This, this band's got like a magic touch for that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of it has to do with John because I don't know. Actually, I don't know that that's true. You know, he might be the weak link in the band. 
Um, I doubt it, but I've seen enough bands where I'm like, oh, that guy actually does every single thing. You know, like uh, Iron Maiden, Steve Harris, the bass player, writes and plays everything. Really? I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Band is 100% him, and then Bruce Dickinson just comes in and lays down his vocals. I, yeah, that's wild. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, but then afterwards, they're loading their van, and it's, I mean, this is how long ago this was. And if you live long enough, folks, and ever we can ever go outside again, this could happen to you. You could walk up to a young modern version of john sampson who's loading the van by himself and go hey can i help you and he goes no nah, man I've, i'm i'm good and you go i got a question for you all right well first of all i told him about the, the show in guadalupe and he pretended that he remembered it uh-huh. which was nice and then i said i have another question um are you a big fan of the smoking popes because sometimes i feel like some of that stuff that you do is so reminiscent of like the way Josh sings. Uh-huh. And he goes, and he was nice enough to be like, yeah, smoking popes are great. But I mean, like, I'm like, you know, in hindsight, as like somebody that's like myself, like been like punished on international tours and stuff like that. It's like, if I showed up in Winnipeg and people were like, so you're really into like the shit skids, right? Because you know our local band, the shit skids, do like a thing a lot like this, and um, I'm pretty sure you got it from them. And it's just like, eh. and I mean, I know the Smoky Popes were like a major label band, and it's not quite an apples to apples comparison, but still, it like fills me with just douche chills to think about it. Um, yeah. I think, but John was very, very nice. I think we've all got those. We've all mm-hmm. got those. Um, uh, fuck. It's like the time I asked uh, Pete from the Bouncing Souls if he likes you too, which he does. He said it in the DVD. So I was just like, <laughs> yeah, what I know a the answer to this question. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it sucks. I know. It's just like you just like. Uh, this is this is a fucking weird thing to bring up, mm-hmm. but um, this is completely off topic. But um, <clears throat> I promise it's cool. So there's this dude named William um, Upsky Wimsat who wrote a book when I was like right around this time, a little bit earlier than this. I was probably sixteen or seventeen. Um, it was called Bomb the Suburbs. He was a graffiti artist. Mm-hmm. And um it, it, it was like like a thin it was public it, like it was published by Underdog Press, I believe. Mm-hmm. It was sold in like underground bookstores and stuff like that. And so it was like a kind of a underground as much as you thing. can have a literary darling of an underground scene full of people that don't read at all, uh it was one of those, right? And so in I want to see thing. uh well, just like in in counterculture, uh-huh. like because he was a graffiti artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was definitely more of a hip hop guy, mm-hmm. um, and he was hilarious. He was like a tiny little Jewish guy, and he was probably twenty three at the time, and he was like balding very severely, and he was like, "The spray cans, you know, the the toxins have made me bald," and it's like, mm, 
It's your parents probably that made you bald, uh, but <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, like, and but he was a really good speaker, and uh, I went to see him at, at like some kind of coffee shop. <coughs> Excuse me, and um, and he after he did his whole like thing, which was really really engaging and cool, and it was. It was about a lot of the stuff that we talk about here, Tim. Like, a lot of, like, you know what? Just because it's, like, it's because that's how they set the table doesn't mean that's how you have to, like, keep the table set. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, you like you need to find your fucking way, and that's what I did, and this is, like, my story of my journey or whatever. And it was really inspiring to me mm-hmm. as, a, as a young kid. And then at the end, he goes, all right. If any of you guys all want to ask questions, I'm going to answer some questions for about 25 minutes. But here's the thing. I don't want any, like, smart questions, okay? I want, like, actual question questions. Um, So, like, I don't want, like, bullshit questions that are, like, more for you than they are, like, more for you asking them than than they are for getting the answer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck, I don't know what that fucking means at all, right? And then this woman is like... You grew up Jewish um, in the suburbs of Chicago. Can you speak to the um, to the experience of, of of being a suburban Jew in an urban, mostly um, black, um, you know, counterculture? And he goes, "Yeah, this is one of those questions I was talking about that I'm not going to answer." <laughs> Very first question. <laughs> And um, and then the next question was from like this young black guy, um, and he's like, "Yo, you talk in the book a lot about hitchhiking. I just want to know when you started hitchhiking, did you start in the city or did you like go out to like a rest stop somewhere out in the suburbs?" And I was like, "Oh, I get it all now. It was like it was like a lesson like laid out for me in life of how not to ask questions and then how to ask questions." You know, and then I went ahead and blew it all by asking uh, John Sampson if he was heavily influenced by the smoking pups. Uh. (laughs) I only know how to ask bad questions, but in this format, they're good questions. That's right. No, I mean, that's sorry for that. Dude, no, I love that. I love that. I saw Kevin Smith one time in uh, high school give like a, a talk and and literally every questions that uh, that he took for the Q and A and literally every question he took for the Q and A started with, "Hey Kevin, I'm such a big fan. You've inspired me to write screenplays of my own and make movies too." And he was like really polite about it, but it was uh, like. They were, they were all just like, you know, what do you think about this with movies? Yeah, it's like, let's say, for example, you were going to write a movie about a robot that falls in love with a dog. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but the dog's owner is in love with the robot. And here's the funny thing. They live in Sandusky, Ohio, but it's a space version of Sandusky, Ohio. 
Do you think that would be a good idea? Just off the top of my head, just wondering. Um, <laughs> you could say anything. We're gonna take ourselves a little break, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. I got a Budweiser Zero. Nice. I'm drinking. It's it's three fifteen. Early enough for me. It's zero o'clock somewhere, man. Damn right. Damn right. All right. Everything must go. We talked about it a little bit. Um, what a fucking cool way to open a record. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, really the. The main thing I can say about it is it's it's just like a salve. Like, it's just so calming. Like, almost no other, even weaker than a song. It just sounds so like, it's almost like a Carpenter's song in that way. You know? Pete mm-hmm. Anna, who's in Slapstick, used to put on the Carpenters in the morning and be like, Look, it's like a sorbet for your hangover. Yeah, I love those Carpenters records, man. They sound so beautiful. They're so, yeah, Yeah. comforting. Yeah, and I I think that's the thing about this song, too. And it's, I I mean, I get the distinct feeling that they probably didn't. um, If I'm thinking about how they're like, sequencing this album from like the perspective of somebody that sequences albums i would say that this was probably the last thing that they put placed yeah you know because it's but it's a great choice it's a great choice and it's a great song i mean he spends a lot of time singing about laughing too loud you know talking too loud yeah dude that that's that feeling is so thick of just being in that I feel like everybody's been in that position. You're around people you don't know too well and you kinda overcompensate and I don't know, just like the whole presentation of this song is just I'm going to show you a whole lot of distinct feelings without saying much it's more of just like listing things yeah i mean it is very much a list that i don't know what is it i mean like if i'm like looking at these lyrics and trying to analyze it it's like Wage slave, 40-hour work week weighs 1,000 kilograms, so bend your knees, comes with a free fake smile for all your dumb demands, which is like sort of like this, I'm a grown-up in a situation that I don't want to be a grown-up in, maybe a little bit, or Mm -hmm. I've been thrust into this, you know, and I mean, obviously there's like sort of like slave metaphor going on. But then cordless razor that my father bought when I was 17, uh, the puke green sofa and the outline to a complicated dream of dignity. Like, 
it sounds at first like some sort of like like what I make fun of the weekend ends for for just like all of a sudden listing things for no fucking reason. Mm-hmm. But it's like cordless razor is like a sign of manhood, you know, and having like a terrible piece of furniture is like sort of like one of the things that you look at when you get into your like first shitty apartment and go, hmm. you know, like I, I've furnished a place. Yeah. You know, so maybe this is just all like a little more nuanced than, than that. And I, I don't, I don't think there's too much more to this possibly than that. And there might be less, but like, um, I, I think it's a sweet piece of poetry and it's a really like wonderful melody, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's like the, the fact that it's so easy to parody is like, I think the reason that nobody else can accomplish this is because he does it. It's like, you're not going to be able to pull one of these off without uh, people throwing a flag on the play. Right, yeah, no, totally. I mean, it is such a... It's a bizarre way to go about, like, writing a song. I mean, like... And, you know, make no mistake, it's like... For all the... Sort of, like, I guess, lighthearted, like, joshing I do about this particular, like... uh, Methodology... The um, the truth is that, like, to just list a bunch of things off and then be like, yo, um, this is about actually something very profound, uh, is, is <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you, you don't see that very often. And you, like, I can't think of another artist that does, like, work in the minute and, like, the macro in such a sort of seamless way. I mean, like, when you think about a song like, um, My Favorite Chords, which kind of goes the other way Mm -hmm. on this record, like, near the end, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, that song is, like, about, like, the destruction of the city, but then, like, internalized into... Like, I'm fucking everything up. Can mm-hmm. I possibly fix what I've fucked up with you? You yeah. know? Like, and that's like, uh, it's the opposite thing, really. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, this song is about like a shitty electronic, electro, electronic razor. Uh, this song is about a shitty robot razor. Uh, <laughs> That, that, uh, <laughs> um, that's actually about a greater statement of like lack of freedom and like sort of adherence to like some sort of like shitty working class caste and how you are forced to seek, um, the tiny bits of joy you're allowed to have from things that you should just have a phone call from far away, you know, somebody saying hi and being nice, like, you know, um, 
And so you can go either way on this, man. It's like the, the fucking, uh, the funnel can point up and the funnel can point down, I guess. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. I think um, on the micro level, John Darnielle does really amazing work turning something into a much greater thing. Yeah, I mean, like, John Darnielle was, like, one of the first people I thought of when I was talking about how, like, unique and singular the weaker dance were. And he is another person that does this. But John also, like... Started out with a shittiness that was part of the thing. You know, recording his albums on, like, Tascam tape recorders. I mean, I've heard a story, maybe it's apocryphal, of, like, some band, like, during, like, the heyday of Sub Pop, um, coming in and being like, well, we need more money to finish our album. And they're like, well, the new Mountain Goats album just uh, got finished for $3.75. And uh, he did it, like, in that room over there. Yeah. <laughs> and his last album sold, like, 50,000 more copies than your last album sold. So, <laughs> which, again, that could be an apocryphal story. I don't know if it's true at all, but it's not something that I couldn't believe happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and it's, it's pretty dope also but like i talk about a singular artist you know john darnielle is a singular artist i mean also because i get the feeling that he's like uh he's got like a real ken jennings kind of vibe to him in terms of like his personality like he's really sweet and kind and like um yeah and yet he writes with such authority about some like really fucking weird things. Yeah. Um I'd say I mean for me personally, John Darnielle's interview with Mark Marin is like okay, I wanna I wanna do a a podcast. I wanna talk oh, wow. to people about the shit that they do. Yeah, it's really incredible. I'd um, love to listen to that. I mean he just gives me like kind of a youth preacher thing youth group preacher vibe yeah he's but like i'm a huge fan yeah for real me too youth group preachers that is (laughs) i man i don't want to spoil it for you you can find it but he's talking about his you know his, his stepfather who abused him and and he was talking to Marin about just talking to a lot of different people who share their stories with him and he's like one thing i always tell them is it's a great day when that person dies which is like fucking heavy but also like man being able to like tell somebody that is really powerful because that's something that's like tough to say to any just like the thought of it is tough to express and I don't yeah, know. I don't know, man. I like I've I've had a few people that have really fucked with me that have died, and uh, been pretty fine with it every time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, um, but okay. I love the way that the drums let's on look this what like, we got kinda, left on this. Yeah, thing. for sure. The drums, the way they just kind of like fade into that, like you know, different 
filter that's on it, and then just you know that so fucking perfect. The the lead on a side is so simple, and it's like cool. This is absolutely what diagnosis is, but it's honed in. I think it's a little bit softer. It's a lot more. Uh, I don't know, just like pleasing to a listener and lyrically just, I don't know. I don't think it gets much better. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, no, this is, this is a beautiful song and, um, it's, it's just like just enough flailing that it sounds crazy, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, this song could be, you could record the exact same song with all the exact same shit. And, like, let's say, um, what's his dick that used to record all, like, the Fat Records stuff? Or or, or let's say, like, it was recorded at the Blasting Room, Mm -hmm. right? It, It would, the song wouldn't work. Like, it needs this, like, sort of, like clunky weirdness to it yeah that lead is like it's not it's not over the top like and it feels like it's played with open strings around it yeah it it is and it's also like i couldn't even really as much as i've heard this song i couldn't even really hum it to you i i because i hear the never take the place in your man lead which is do 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 Right? It was only last June when her old man oh, yeah, ran yeah, yeah, away. Yeah, we're, we're both thinking of the Goodoz <laughs> version. That's right. Um, but this one is like... I don't know what it is. But but it's like I don't totally hear hear it, you know? But it's it's fine. It's like it's a theater of the mind thing, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is... This is a fucking pretty dope, dope song. Um, an amateur cartography is hilarious. It's um, so fucking funny. I mean, it's it's just aggressively pretentious. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel like a put on, you know? It no, feels like- it feels... I think it feels like a little saccharine and overwrought, but then it's like, yeah, what song are you listening to? Oh, yeah, this song's great. Mm-hmm. Boom. You know, like. Also, he says at the beginning, like, in love with love and lousy poetry. So it's like, here's his attempt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know. You, Whatever, like, little house you build for yourself, that's going to dictate what you get to do inside of it. And um, the weaker thans are a great example. John Sampson is a great example of someone who has built a little house that he can do exactly what he wants to inside of it. And it's terrific because it adheres to the rules of a little house. You know, I love like, that. Yeah. Like, it, like the second you fucking like, Death Clock could never write this song. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, it would be weird. Yeah. I 
And it's helpful, too, because he just got rid of all that shit. He's got all this extra room in his house now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> it's wild, too, to have, like, this, just the way that a side comes in and then the way that Watermark comes in. And this is, like, my favorite, like, Steven performance on the record, too, just because it's so loose. And I love the way he's he comes in with, like, the palm mutings on, like, the second you know, bar of each verse when he kind of like comes in on it too. And he's doing some different chords over it. Yeah. This one is, I think sounds like a stepson of the last song. Honestly. Yeah. Like, when I when I listen to um when I listen to this, I just hear like this is like a side. I, I'm surprised they put them so close together. Although I understand because it's like then you're getting into these fucking songs that are not um fast. Yeah. You know? And and uh so you like you kinda gotta like stack your album in such a way. But I find this song to be significantly less interesting than the last one. Um, but the airport's almost always empty this time of the year. I know. That that lyric always has kind of bugged me, too, because it's just like, oh, my God. Like, it's just like, <laughs> is it is it going to be the first date every single day? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Like, that is some shit that you say... On your first date, to someone, you're like, you know what I like to do? Here's what I do. <laughs> you know, I go down and I like to buy a big pine cone and fill it up with this like special kind of honey that I get from the Chinese market that only hummingbirds like. And then I go down and I watch the hummingbirds eat right out of my hand. And it's like, you've maybe done that once. And you're telling this person that you're trying to bang that you do it all the time, you know, and, and the, <laughs> you fucking do that. And the truth of the matter is, you've never done that, and you, you know, you're just trying to like, just throw everything at the wall to see if anything is interesting enough that you'll get a hand job at the end of this whole thing, and that's how the airports are always busy this time of the year. So let's go play on the baggage carousel. Uh, to me, it's like, uh, I guarantee you. That if this fucking woman was like, hey, John, at this time, why don't we just do a couple shots of whiskey? Well, in the yeah, bar I know, downstairs I, from your house. I know I know a perfect place. It's uh it's got uh it's got a, a crane and a digger. Um <laughs> we should really wait until things aren't going well to yeah. go there though. One time I'll admit this. Yeah, this podcast. I was 20 years old. I was on a first date and I said the words. I truly believe that the world is a beautiful place. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't I don't you know, I the only reason I'm laughing at that is because of your like embarrassment and subsequent explosion explosive reaction to it. Um I think that that's 
a fair thing to say. I don't know. I mean, like, the world is a beautiful place. Like, if you, if you can mine beauty out of, like, sort of anything, um, which humanity has proven that they can, which John Sampson very specifically has mm-hmm. proven is possible, like, um, then, you know, there must be a lot of beauty out there. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And it's like, do you want to look like an aloof dick that doesn't care if you're like a cis white dude on a date with like a cis woman? Yes, you do. <laughs> like mm-hmm. caring about things is a bad idea. But uh, and if you get caught up in it, next thing you know, you'll be married with children podcasting in the basement from Santa's village. Um <laughs> But I don't think that's a bad thing to say. Well, that's nice of you to say. There's a there's a band of horses song that uh, it's called Ode to LRC, and that was in my head when I said it. And that song's just about uh, just about a library. It was a very John Kay sort of topic to write. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of bands that have come along since this that have like sort of like dominated the indie scene. But I think, I mean, I'm not saying that, like, the weaker thans are, like, that ubiquitous of an influence at all, but more that this was so unusual at the time, and it's become more and more usual since. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, a band like Band of Horses, which is obviously, like, way more melodic, way less lyric-driven, but there's still something to it in the, like, uh, like, you could... They're both cartridges that fit in the same vape pen or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, for sure. Like, um, all right. There's a couple songs I want to talk about here before we fucking get the fuck out. I love cartridges that fit into the same vape pen. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next song I want to talk to you about since we've talked about all these motherfuckers. Um, let's see here. Yeah, oh, yeah, we don't need to talk about that shit. Um, <laughs> wait, let me guess. Without mythologies, no, Fire Door Never Leave Open. Let's talk about that. Um, this song is, oh, this isn't even the song I was thinking of. Well, it's too bad we're here. This is my this is a fire door is my favorite 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 weaker than song. And David David Anthony and I uh actually talked about the weaker thans on better yet before we were doing as you were um if you all want to like go back into the archives. I'm very aware of what I said on that episode too. So try not to re- repeat it, but I don't know this is I really can't even put my finger on it. It's just it's just a perfect song that makes me think about a lot of things. You know, I think that it's um it really does like the perfect balance between like the two sides of the weaker dance um and like I can't forget these buildings. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, is like, 
it's so overwrought and like almost like that beginning of pamphleteer and it's like yo but it also just like that it's like nope in the context it works just great mm-hmm. you, you know and and like i think that there's a lot going on here but i mean i just i like this song this wasn't the one i was actually thinking of um the one i was actually thinking of was i think the i'm no we're we're staying we're staying on this as a fire door because it's like fucking you breathe in 40 years of failing to describe a feeling is so fucking hard and I don't know. The, the, there's so much. Um, I just love that like empty space that exists on this song. It. Um, my parents split up when I was in college, and um, the like association that I have always had with it is just like my mom being at what was effectively an empty house, um, and just like having all of that to collect and like the silence knows what your silence means is fucking it's one of it's just one of my favorite yeah it's a it's a and this is the one that has that that fucking drum fill which is like there's not a lot of people that can do that shit you know Mm -hmm. like um and I guess I did one too many. It's right. It's yeah, man. That's like I I would take that clip and put it in like you know my favorite like three minute uh, compilation of recorded music. It's so fucking perfect. Just yeah, sounds no. like he's hitting it so hard too, which makes sense because he, he yeah he's a he beats up people at the fight. He's an absolute gorilla of a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you're settling in Winnipeg, you have to just like be of a burly type, or you have to be John Sampson. Yeah, <laughs> old burly John Sampson. You know how he is. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, without apologies, yeah, it's a stupid. I'm mean, not stupid song, but. <laughs> It's it's I think it's more of an artist's endeavor than a listener's endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear it once, and you don't really need to hear it again. So it's like on Fallow, they had that song that's like, one of those days when you'd like to try heroin. Yeah. Drunk driving a soft form of self-suicide. Right? Um, Leash. Yeah, and that song... It is hardwood floors, lopsided grin. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they like kick it in for the nugget. Leave dirt and dead flowers in the brown coffee tin. Uh, I mean, like that shit is amazing to me. Like when they, the way they like just eschew all sort of like idea of this like melod- melodic, um, new jack thing that they've kind of like sort of like ushered in for this like 
kind of sound. And then and they go, no, 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 we're still doing the same thing. Look. <laughs> and then give you like that like beauty in the middle. This song doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just kind of like, king, 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 king. Yeah, (laughs) you know, and it's like Clyde with Rapids, yeah, or whatever. Like, like it's just like, okay, um, so yeah, but then, I mean, that's all I have to say about that. Do you have anything to say about that? No, I, I'm, I skip it probably whenever, whenever my uh, listening device is near. But then, and. I really want to talk about these next two songs mm-hmm. and my favorite chords. And otherwise, I'm I have no nothing really to say. It's a front loaded leaving. record, isn't it? Nope. This is the best weaker than song ever. Left and leaving. It is yeah. fucking perfect. I will not hear otherwise. Like. <laughs> Fucking, there's no such thing as a front-loaded record where number seven is the best song that the band has ever done. Um, every time I hear this song... Look at Spotty after this. Every time I hear this song, I'm like... Literally, I'm like, oof. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the way it comes in with that, like... That, cla- like, that like, Buck Owen sounding guitar, like... And just... And then his voice is like a... shrill little clarion call of like a tiny robin <laughs> you know what i mean like he's <laughs> it's in b too like, know how hard that b is barely it's true it's just like <sighs> mm-hmm. so good and it like every every lyric every note it's one of those songs that I've never even thought about too much because the overall thing is so profound in its impact that's mm-hmm. like I don't have to analyze any of this. Like, yeah, makes me feel like I like live in the Royal Tenenbaums house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've said for a long time that I think John Sampson is the um, Wes Anderson of music. Uh, that's pretty good they're the only two people that would care about like a mouse getting dots painted on it you know Uh (laughs) this song always to me felt like very spiritually aligned with brick wall views to tie it to uh your band that you know that piece about uh the strangers whose faces I know we meet here for our dress rehearsal. Let's say I wanted it this way. Well, a lot of that you can find in uh, brick wall views when we don't know much about each other anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think brick wall views is obviously a vastly superior song by a way better band. But you know, uh, <laughs> 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 the truth is that I, I mean, you know, like we took a lot of influence from this record and. Chris and I listen to this a lot. And this song in particular, I remember we both listened to it, I think for the first time, and we're like, oh, fuck. Like, mm. it's just such a, it's just such a killer fucking song. And 
You were living together at the time, too? I mean, what? Were you living together at the time? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I don't know, man. There's, there's like, I don't know. I think after the, like, all this time lingers undefined part where mm. all this time, like, kind of like proto yellow or whatever. Uh, <laughs> proto yellow. By Coldplay. Oh. Oh, is that the one that you aped? No, you t- took clocks? I don't know. Uh, no, I didn't take yellow. No, what, what song did I take? Uh, I took... Um... Maybe it was yellow. There's also that... Nobody said it was easy. Yeah, that's what it is. There's also that one song by Five for Fighting. I'm more than a man. Nope, 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 nope. I don't listen to that fucking nonsense. No, no, no. No, thank you. Um, oh, what the fuck happened I think about this song at least uh, twice a year. Spring forward, fall back down. Try not to wonder where you are. I just, I just feel like the end, like when he comes back to like I wait in four four time. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh my god, you're going back to that like beautiful, like pre-chorus melody. Did not expect that. Yeah, and you're lying on to leave you home. So, it's just so simple, but it's so good. But that, but it ding 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 ding, da da ding ding, da da ding It's like so simple, mm-hmm. and it's like that's what I want out of my rock and roll. Is like, I don't care how many notes you play, as long as they're all correct. And that's what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a really good way to put it, because it's, these songs aren't, like, massively complicated. They're just played so perfectly. Yeah, it really is true. Every um, birthday card I threw away. There's another one, like, that's, like, fuck off. <laughs> So, if we move on to Elegy for Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Elsabeth. Elsabeth. Um, so, I remember seeing this song when they were on the... At that, that same show at the Fireside Bowl. Mm-hmm. And um, they played this. And... What... I should start out by saying I think this song's kind of fucking dumb. Like it doesn't do anything for me. I love. This um, song. I understand it's for like a young deaf girl, and it's really sweet. Mm-hmm. Whatever, and there's like a. So at the end, when there's like that like whistling sound, the visual component is they take those like fucking like plastic tubes that you probably got when you were a little kid that you like swing around and they go. Whoo-hoo. 
Mm -hmm. And that's what they do on stage. Oh, wow. Right? And the idea, I think, is that this will be a part of the show that she could appreciate. Yeah. Right? And it's really sweet. It doesn't make me like the song anymore. Mm -hmm. I think the song is a little cloying and uh, a little slow, I guess. Yeah. This is where I kind of was saying that the that it's a little front loaded with this record because i think this song and story of the defeated back to back is it can be kind of a slog um that fuck man now like you you saying that fucks me up the idea that this is like a visual like for her in particular is a is a really really nice sentiment it is, but it's like, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, man. I don't really care. It's like, I don't want to, like, you know, it's like the same shit where it's like you put your baby on your fucking album cover and it's like, save that shit for your cousins. I don't want that. Like, like, ooh, it's cute. Yes, I understand. You love things, but it's not what I'm here for. I so. do like the... I don't think it's considered a callback, but when he says it's here in the smallest bones of feet in the inner ear, it's such an enormous thing to walk and to listen. Um, I like having this song there as like a little reminder of what we have and the ability to listen. Right. I mean, it's a song about a deaf girl, so. Yeah. 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 All right. I mean, that seems like kind of where you'd go. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. All right. All right. I I just I fucking love being sentimental. Um, my favorite chords is also like up there with the best of the best. Yeah, dude. This song is so incredibly good. Um. And it's so funny that these are his favorite chords because, I mean, a fucking D major seventh is a hilarious fucking <laughs> chord to have be your favorite chord. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> but, like, when it finally, like, slides in, man, it's the same thing as that fucking song from Fallow that we were talking about earlier. One sec. And I'd like to fall asleep to the beat of you breathing. Mm -hmm. Room near a truck stop on a highway somewhere. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like when it does that, why are you laughing at me? No, it's like, it's a, it's just a great Samson phrase. In a room near a truck stop on a highway somewhere. But it's just like, the way he sings it, it's so like, putting a blanket on your soul. You know, like it's, I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it so much. And like, I don't know what it is about this, about this fucking song. Like, it. It's like there's this, like, complete, like, 
I don't know, man. Maybe Josh Sampson is like a machinist by trade and like totally knows his way around socket sets and shit. Mm-hmm. Which would make me feel like a real fucking wimp. Um, but well, I can't. I can't hang this uh, picture frame. Oh, t- the guy from the Weaker Thans is here. <laughs> Maybe yeah, he, he can just, help he, me work this stud finder. He just leapt over my fucking uh, <laughs> my front stairs by his hands, mm-hmm. and now he's here finding studs. Yeah, he there's like a real like kind of working class naturalism to his everything, right? It's it's very in his it, DNA. Yeah, well, yeah, I think that there's a My god, maybe I'm just projecting this. I was going to say I think there's a thing where it's like he's the kind of person that grew up with the idea that he was going to have to do all this stuff. But it's like, I wish I had a socket set, you know. Mm-hmm. Bring your Swiss Army knife. I mean, not, I don't know what you're going to do with a Swiss Army knife. Besides, like, accidentally cut off your finger. You know, that's, like, the only thing those things are good for is, like, your, it shuts right on your pinky. Like, I always thought it would be uh, used for the opening of the bottle. Yeah, maybe, but I mean, have you ever opened a fucking wine bottle with a Swiss Army knife? It is hard. It can be done. Well, it's if you're, yeah, that's I think the uh, the separation between you and and tough guy Samson. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Call me Delilah. Um... <laughs> I really like uh, slips and tangles a lot, especially going back and. Um, Hearing the earliest version of it on one of those tapes, um, it feels like, uh, well, the the country band that practices down the hall uh, said that they could hang out with us for an hour. Let's see if we can get something out of it. Um... Yeah, it's fine. I don't know. It's like by this time I'm kind of like checked out usually on this record. Um, I don't. I don't dislike it. It's just like, oh, I was. I was like, he's saying infection, affection, not embrace, and then at the end it's infection and embrace. I was like, wow. It's been a long time to misunderstand lyrics like that. <laughs> but I think my favorite chords would be a stronger closing track. But Yeah. Yeah, but like maybe there was a situation in which they had to like put all these songs on here. I don't know, like contractually or because like of everybody's opinion about him or because of like one person's hubris or whatever, who knows. Mm-hmm. And in that case, my favorite chords is in the exactly right spot because the song is so good. I mean, like, turn up streets again. Building a new hotel. I mean, it's so 
Goddamn good, Tim. <laughs> um, well, th- thus concludes Left and Leaving by the Weaker Thans, a album that we both love, and uh, it was a lot of fun to talk about it. Thank you all for joining us for this conversation this week. Uh, wishing you all happy holidays. Um, a great gift to give to us would be a uh, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, uh, telling your friends about what we're doing here. And uh, if you want, you can go over to patreon.com slash better sandwich. We talk even more on there. And not to absolutely just point out that Tim completely fucked this up, but a great gift to give your friends would be a subscription to our Patreon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. For the price of one triple Baconator a month, <laughs> you could be listening to the good shit, telling us what to do. Making Tim lick your shoes like some kind of slave, um, and so forth. From what I've heard, I've never been back there. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> we had uh, we had a tight race this week for our upcoming episode, Brendan. Next week, you and I are going to yeah. talk about the decline. Oh. Maybe I'll, I'll try to get a special guest for that one. Maybe. Oh, I love that idea. Brandon, do you want to hear what's going up in the poll? Yeah. That's up right now as you're listening to this. We have Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. Love it. I've never listened to it in my life. I would love an excuse to listen to it. Bad Religions, Suffer. Great album. With all this propaganda talk, you're going to give less talk, no... With all this propaganda talk, we're going to give less talk, more rock. A shot. And option number four, Spinal Tap. Great. The the procedure or the film? Both. We're gonna okay. if we if it happens, we're both gonna get spinal taps while we talk about spinal tap. Well, I could talk to my wife about getting an epidural and so I will have like first hand information about getting an actual spinal tap on hand without having to actually go through that myself. Amazing. Well, I intend to go through it either way, just because uh, yeah, I was gonna say. I don't know dude, what kind of you want to call yourself a journalist, you know. Um. <laughs> we'll be back next week. We'll see you then. Thank you, friends. Later, everybody. So deck the hearts with drunken bodies. Swallow as illusions line our stomachs with